late in 1996, I was just starting my sophomore year of college and I came home on the Christmas holiday break and I went and visited my good friend, Jose. And Jose had acquired the PlayStation 1 and he had acquired the game called Tomb Raider. I did not own a PlayStation 1 yet. I was still playing a lot of games on my Sega Genesis with 32X and Sega CD add-ons at the time, which ironically I got that system from Jose, but that's probably a nostalgia talk for another day. When I went to visit him and he said, hey, check out this game I have on this PlayStation, it was just, I mean, cool enough that he had a PlayStation. One of my roommates in college had one. We used it almost exclusively for Battle Arena Toshinden and uh, Ridge Racer. So I didn't know many people that had a PlayStation 1, so Jose had one. That was cool. I was like, oh, okay. I only messed around with this as one of my roommates. And then he's like, check out this game, Tomb Raider, and he's he's playing the game. And I gotta tell you, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Uh, when gamers think back fondly on 3D gaming, sort of an open world 3D uh, that's easy to, to traverse, most people talk about Mario 64, but well before that came out, we had Tomb Raider. So I'm watching Jose play as this woman whose name I would later find out is Laura Croft, and just going through these fully rendered 3D environments. And you know, you go back and you look at it now, and they're you know very kind of clunky because they're all based on a grid and square design and. The, the creators did a good job at adding a lot of variety and creativity with it, but in 1996, we'd never seen anything quite like it. Maybe some cutting-edge PC gamers had seen maybe something similar, but now as far as us console gamers, this giant open world uh, with this woman adventurer kind of running through it and exploring, it was just, it was just captivating and amazing. And so he's playing it, and of course I pick up the case, and I'm looking at this CD-sized jewel case, and you know, it has a fairly innocuous cover of Tomb Raider, and then it features Laura Croft, and she's standing there with her impossibly thin waist and her two pistols, one in each hand, and you go, okay, well, this cover looks like it could be for just about any action game featuring this character, Laura Croft. And I'm looking at that, and I look up, and I'm watching Jose go through these caverns and these caves and my timing couldn't have been better because at this point Jose climbs over some rocks and he finds himself in what would become a very famous video game location of this hidden lost valley and I'm like okay this is cool he's gone through these caverns and now he's sort of found this lost valley there's a bridge there and oh my goodness there's these little dinosaurs that he has to fight. And I'm like, okay, that adds a whole new level. I mean, the game's already exciting because I've never seen anything so, you know, exploratory, if I can use that word, expansive, just, you know, freedom to run wherever you want, look at what you want, climb, you know, you take the risks the higher you climb and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm just like, this is fascinating to me. So I'm already looking at it and going, okay, this is a cool exploration game. And the next thing I know, he's fighting these little these little dinosaurs, and I'm saying, oh, this is an adventure game with a dinosaur twist? That's, okay, mind-blowing. Then we all know what comes next. You know, here comes a T-Rex. And you're like, what? You know, it's like, this is a mind-blowing thing, because it's like, <laughs> you, you're you so used to games being sort of just one thing, you know? It's either a platformer, or it's a shooter, or, 
you know, you know, they're kind of fit into one mold. And so when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, okay, I get this mold. It's all about exploration and finding things and finding your way and finding a path. And that's very exciting because I've never really seen a game like that before. And now we've added this crazy dynamic <laughs> fighting a giant dinosaur. And what cannot be left out of this moment is the music by Nathan McCree. When that music comes in with that just upbeat tempo and you're fighting that dinosaur, it's just this perfect amalgamation of a shocking moment, a change in gameplay, a great environment, great music. It becomes almost cinematic with, with this basic, you know, we look at it now, it's so basic and sort of blocky and simple, but they, they found all the best ingredients available to them at that time and put them all together at once. And so I'm just sitting in Jose's room and watching him fight this dinosaur and just thinking, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. I, I'm going to need to know more about this game, play this game. And I, we didn't have a lot of time. I, I probably saw him play, fight, beat the dinosaur, maybe look around the valley a little bit, and then we had to go do something. And that would be the last I would see of Laura Croft and Tomb Raider for a while. So I got more caught up into school and doing all that and you know, still playing my Sega Monster System for, for a while. And I was always very, you know, interested. I'd love to get back to that Tomb Raider thing that I saw back in the Christmas of 1996. But I spent 1997 very focused on school. And then the summer of 1997, I went to what's called field training for ROTC, which is basically your boot camp for officers. So I spent my summer doing the boot camp thing and preparing for that. And then coming back from that and, and plugging back into my job at college where I worked at the movie theater and just really, you know, getting back on track with that kind of thing. So basically, because I was a poor college student, I couldn't afford a PlayStation 1 or any games at that time. And then came the summer of 1998. So basically, almost a year, about a year and a half after seeing this Laura Croft and this Tomb Raider and it being on my mind, I, I get this government job, a government contracting job, me and some of my other Air Force ROTC friends got, and it paid really well. You know, was, we had something that we hadn't had in a long time, which was money. You know, college students, you don't have a lot of money. So we actually had a, a good, made a good amount of money working for this Army contractor over the summer. We worked at Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, and we did some work at Fort Benning in Columbus, Georgia. So we finally had some money, and so I was like, I'm going to go make a purchase. And I went to the nearest KB toy store I could find. And I've done a nostalgia talk about that, going to KB toy stores. They were still in business at this time. And I bought a PlayStation. And then I went down to Babbage's, because I was in a mall. <laughs> and I looked at their used games, because I want to buy some used games. So this was the benefit of coming to it a year and a half later, is that Tomb Raider was available as a used game, and I want to say it was in the neighborhood of about $25. So I picked it up. And throughout that summer, I would take my PlayStation. You know, we were always going sort of like from hotel to hotels. We went back and forth between Redstone and, and Fort Benning. And I'd bring my PlayStation with me. And when I was home in the evenings, I was just playing Tomb Raider and just, just seeing what more and more this game had to offer. And it just, it seemed like it never stopped. You know, the, the, definitely the dinosaur fight early in the game is super memorable, but then you know, you explore these these huge, huge levels and worlds that these game designers just really put a lot of time into making these grand designs that made you feel like you were really discovering 
something that had been hidden for years. Like they did designs that felt like you could find them here on Earth and, and just with a dash of being mystical, you know, especially, you know, those first few levels are just, the game designers did an amazing job. And then another thing that they did, I mentioned this earlier, the music by Nathan McCree, it's just incredible. And one of the smartest things they did is they used it sparingly. So when you're walking around, you're going through catacombs and whatnot, it's really just kind of the sounds of Lara moving through the catacombs and it creates this very isolation feeling that you know you would probably feel if you were this lone adventurer exploring this uncharted territory so they do a good job of just immersing you by keeping it just the sounds of the games as you explore and then when you find something big and incredible the very memorable simple trimmed down wonderful theme by Nathan McCree kicks in and you just feel this sense of wonder and reward. It just felt good to play Tomb Raider. It felt good to be part of that experience. And I'm not going to lie, this is being recorded in 2023, but last year in early 2022, or it might have been in late 2021, I actually went back and replayed Tomb Raider 1 again on my PlayStation 1 to see if it still held up and made me feel that way. And guess what, folks? It did. I had an absolute blast playing it. It's interesting to go back and play because the controls are not nearly as smooth as what we would expect from a modern game. But in some ways, that makes the original <laughs> Tomb Raider better because your movements were all very deliberately spaced out, if that's the right word. Basically, you knew if I am running, I can jump this far. If I jump from standing, I can jump from this far. If I do a backwards flip, I, I close this amount of distance. And everything was very standard. So even though the controls weren't as smooth as they were today, they're very predictable. That's a good word. The control of Lara is very predictable. And you get used to those old controls rather quickly because that predictability of knowing exactly what is going to result in what uh, makes it a good playthrough. Because you're not, it doesn't frustrate you. You know, if you mess something up, it's because you didn't figure out. You know, I need to jump from here. I need to be running. I need to be stand jumping. Like, there's a lot of trial and error in the game. That maybe its greatest downfall is it's. There's a lot of, oh, you guessed wrong. Try, <laughs> try again. In the original Tomb Raider. So while I'm sitting here glowing up these memories of discovering Lara Croft in Tomb Raider for the first time, I guess I should be fair and say. It's a pretty heavy trial and error game. And to me, that's the most annoying part. But aside from that, that sense of wonder, that sense of exploration, that sense of reward, it, it's just nothing quite like it. And then just when you, you know, you're, you're starting the game, you take that hard turn into dinosaur fighting. And then you kind of follow a story where you're exploring these areas and you're learning more and more about Natla, who is, you know, the game's villain and where she comes from, and then it takes another hard turn at the end in your final levels when you get to Atlantis, and they use a very non-typical depiction of Atlantis. It's very alien tech. It's very H.R. Geiger-ish. It's not... You think Atlantis <laughs> in a video game, you know, you think something you'd see with Prince Namor or Aquaman, or, and it's just really just subverts your expectations on that. So in the end, there was a lot of creativity behind it, it threw you a lot of curveballs. It was fun and it was rewarding and it had a gorgeous, gorgeous soundtrack. 
and again in 1996 we'd never seen anything like it i want to stop real quick and give you a fun fact and it's that tomb raider is very closely associated with the playstation and ironically enough its first release was actually on the sega saturn i do have the saturn version i have played the saturn version I can't get enough of Tomb Raider, so I've I've played Tomb Raider in every version that, that they've made. And when I say every version, I mean I even got the Engage. Uh, I found an Engage, which for those of you who don't know, was an old phone system that would play games. And I found one at a yard sale, and they had Tomb Raider for it, so I bought it and brought it home, and it worked. And I ended up playing. At the time, I didn't know that the Engage version of Tomb Raider was just Tomb Raider One ported to the engage i didn't know that till i played it but of course i played it again <laughs> because i can't help myself so i've played this game a few times throughout the years and again my love goes beyond tomb raider 1 it goes into tomb raider 2 which you know if you follow the chronology of my story i, I told you i bought my first playstation and tomb raider in 1998 so by then tomb raider 2 had already come out so i got that one back to back so that kind of extended my Tomb Raider experience. I, I finished one and rolled right into two, which, you know, had, was bigger and, and grander and all that stuff. The biggest improvement really going from one to two was the save system. I could probably do an entire nostalgia talk on the save system. Because I did say earlier, if I'm being fair to Tomb Raider, the first one, it's a lot of trial and error. And the save system, oh my gosh, you can only save when you found a floating save crystal. And then imagine your shock when you find out you can only use that crystal once. So it really puts you in a corner like, do I want to save now? Do I want to try to complete this really challenging thing and then use this crystal to save later? Oh man, that save system was messed up. By Tomb Raider 2, you could save at any point, which was like a godsend once you got into that. So anyways, I'm playing Tomb Raider 1 and Tomb Raider 2 back to back. So I get a really extended Tomb Raider experience and it, it was just wonderful. It was great getting to play Laura Croft and learn more about Laura Croft you know she was a very cool character design very much a a leading lady and as far as like female gaming characters she's still a tentpole in female gaming characters she's amazingly fun to play knew a lot of gaming folks and hung out with a lot of gaming people and everybody enjoyed Laura and thought Laura was a good character and it's kind of funny that Laura ends up you know, getting hypersexualized in um, a lot of ways and looking back on it now a lot of that had to do with just marketing like for those of us who are in the games and, and gaming Lara was I mean I guess she was a quote-unquote sexy character but she wasn't like sexual like we weren't playing the game because oh Laura's hot we're playing the game because it has great design and it's fun and like I said it's rewarding the music and all the things I said before uh, but I always just thought it was fascinating that she became this sort of hypersexualized character. And as I look back on it through time, it's not really via the game so much as it is the marketing around it and them putting her on all these magazine covers and poses and all this stuff. And that's, again, there's a lot of history there, so there's a lot to go into. But I always kind of find it fascinating that that's how she's remembered in some ways. But really, for those of us gaming, it was never about her sexiness. It was really all about the adventure. And these games are just so adventurous they got their hooks in me 96 like i said i played two i immediately rolled into three four i played on my dreamcast five i think i went back to play on the ps1 yeah i did then the ill-fated sixth one the angel of darkness on playstation 2 probably the low point in the series after that 
Crystal Dynamics came along and revamped it with Legend, Anniversary. Ooh, I still love Anniversary quite a bit to this day. Underworld, and then Crystal Dynamics teamed up with Square Enix for the reboot relaunch in 2013's Tomb Raider, which is also an awesome game. But I could make this nostalgia talk about Lara Croft a lot longer if I went into all those games. I won't. I'll kind of keep it focused to that first meeting with her, that 1996 just awesomeness. Just what a great memory. I guess the only thing I'll really add is I also really enjoyed the comic book series that spun out of it. I want to say that was circa 2001-ish. Top Cow ran a comic series that was really quite good that I enjoy. So, you know, and then from there, of course, we got Tomb Raider movies and so on. So there's been, as of this recording, three live-action Tomb Raider movies, two Angelina Jolie's and one that came out just a couple years ago, more based on the reboots. So the legend of, of Lara continues to grow and thrive and make good games. And it's just a franchise that I've always really enjoyed. It's just been a part of me. There's, there's a few video game franchises that have just really defined me as a gamer. And Tomb Raider is one of them. And it's just those early memories from 1996 to 1998. <laughs> one just occurred to me, I'll share with you this. is funny because you got to remember in... 1998-ish, the internet is still extremely young. I didn't even have a home computer to have access to it, so I ended up getting stuck in the cistern level because, by gosh, if you're going to get stuck in any level in Tomb Raider, it's going to be the cistern level. What a complicated level design that was. I ended up going to the mall, which was still a thing, to the Walden Books, which was still a thing, and they had strategy guides. Again, I'm in college, so I don't have a lot of money to throw around. So I can't afford to buy a strategy guide. But I'd go there and I'd flip through the page to where I got stuck. And I'd see, oh, okay, I get some clues and hints just by looking at the strategy guide at Walden Books. And then I'd drive home and try to put the uh, knowledge I just gained to the test. So that's what gaming was like back in the you know mid to late 90s. <laughs> just kind of how it went. So those are my memories of Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, the PlayStation 1, you know, moving into 3D gaming in such a magical way and just stuck with me forever. I'm still a Tomb Raider fan to this day. I anxiously await whatever they're going to release next. I'm certain I will give it a shot. I have played and enjoyed just about every game. Well, I've played off every game they've made and to some extent I've enjoyed them all. They've had some hits and some misses, but uh, overall this adventure I've taken with Laura has been a lot of fun and just makes me smile every time I play one of these games. I'm really glad I did my replays on these games and um, who knows, maybe I'll wait another 15 or 20 years and replay them again and get that nostalgia kick one more time. So I ask you guys, you Nostalgia Talk listeners out there, what are some games that just kind of got to you? What kind of franchise, you know, rides inside of your gamer soul like Laura rides inside of mine? Um, or more specifically, what was your experience with Tomb Raider? You know, I'd love to hear from you. You can certainly comment on the YouTube video in the comments. I'd love to hear from you. You can certainly reach out to us at the Longbox Crusade. We're at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course here on YouTube. Just love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts. Love to hear your comments. It's just always nice to hear from you guys out there. Lots of fun. Lots of fun in the video game world. There may be, there may be some more nostalgia talks in the video game world to come. Who knows? 
But I have been Jared Albrick. I am at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I appreciate you joining me on another Nostalgia Talk. And I look forward to sharing some more memories with you in the future. This episode features the music track Snowfall by Scott Buckley. <laughs>